Today's scripture reading comes from Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. Again, that's Exodus chapter 1, starting in verse 15. I'll give you a few seconds to find that um, either on your phone or in your Bible. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other named Pua. When you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew woman and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? and let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile but you shall let every daughter live. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning, we invite one of the members of our congregation, Lois Coe, to deliver our sermon. Lois and her husband, Alex, serve as the leaders of our GPS group that meets on Sunday mornings and have been attending our church for the past few years. They have two children, Rachel and Timothy, who are part of our Alive Youth Group. Um, and Lois will be continuing our sermon series from Exodus and her sermon is titled, The Midwives, God's Provision. Now I'll pass our time to Lois. Good morning, Crossbridge. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We worship you. We acknowledge you are God. And we thank you for your word. Open our hearts to receive your word wherever we are. Come into our living rooms, our bedrooms, our homes, our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Good morning again and happy Mother's Day. In case you're wondering, yes, I am a mom. I'm married to Alex Cole and many of you know our kids, Rachel and Timothy. We've been at Crossbridge for almost four years, but a little known fact is that the first time we ever visited Crossbridge was on a Mother's Day. We were still living in Malaysia at the time and were just visiting the Boston area. They probably don't remember this, but that day we met Minister Jeff, Andrew Chang, and John Lowe, or Uncle John to many of you. Irene Lowe and Eva Yu shared the pulpit that day, and what left a deep impression on me was how on Mother's Day, while there was an appreciation of mothers, and rightly so, so please don't forget to show your mom some love today, but the focus was always completely on God. So last week we started a sermon series entitled He, meaning God, hears, he remembers, 
he sees, he knows. A journey through the first four chapters of the book of Exodus. Now, Exodus is full of amazing stories of epic proportions. Whatever book genre you're into, Exodus has it all. Adventure, mystery, romance, fantasy. There are even parts about time and people management and logistics. It's so good. I was so excited to hear that the youth are journeying through Exodus together and I would encourage all of us to join them, myself included. Now, when you think of the book of Exodus, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Maybe it's the parting of the Red Sea or manna falling from heaven. It seems like there are miracles happening everywhere, things that don't happen every day, a departure from everyday experiences. But today's passage is about something we all have experience with. It centers around babies being born and the women who help the mothers with the birthing process a natural part of life, something all of us have experienced, whether it is giving birth or assisting birth or just being birthed, an everyday miracle that connects us all. If you were here last week, you might recall that the king of Egypt, also known as Pharaoh, had enslaved the Israelites because they were too fruitful and were increasing in number too quickly. But more importantly, Pharaoh feared that he could not control them or count on their worship and allegiance. And so he decided to act shrewdly, enslave them, make their lives hard and bitter. That was Pharaoh's evil plan, part one. But in today's passage, we get to Pharaoh's evil plan, part Two, a plan to eradicate the next generation. And that is where our two main characters, Shipra and Pua, come in. Let's read Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 again. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. So we're introduced to Shipra and Pua, the midwives for the Israelites. They were probably leaders of the league of Hebrew midwives. Pharaoh plans to rid himself of the Israelites by wiping out the entire next generation. He wants the boys killed because he thinks that they may pose a problem later. But he's probably thinking that he could use the girls as slaves or wives or both. As Minister Jeff mentioned last week, and I'm borrowing a phrase here because he put it so perfectly, Pharaoh moves from implicit population control through slavery to explicit population control through genocide, the killing of newborn males. So clearly, Pharaoh is an evil man with an evil plan heading down an evil path. And for now, he wants to do it under the radar. So the powerful Pharaoh starts off by ordering the midwife Shipra and Pua to be a part of his clandestine plan. Hush, hush, kill the boy babies, but let the girls live and do it on the delivery stool, that is during the birthing process. 
These were the days before ultrasounds and where infant mortality was high, and perhaps he even gave them suggestions on how to make the stillborn births look inevitable. No one would know. Not immediately, at least. So Shipra and Pua were faced with a difficult choice to make. Which path would they take? On one hand, they had powerful Pharaoh ordering them to participate in his evil plan. They had already seen what defiance of Pharaoh could lead to. This was the guy who was making everyone's lives hard and bitter, remember? But what about God? Now, there's a little debate among scholars about whether Shipra and Pua were Hebrew midwives or whether they were midwives to the Hebrews. That is, whether they themselves were Israelites or whether they were non-Hebrews serving the Israelites. Um, I'm not a scholar and I won't pretend to be one, so I don't know for certain, but what we do know for certain comes in the next verse. Exodus chapter 1 verse 17. Let's look at it together. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. This one little phrase, the midwives, however, feared God, tells us that they knew God, the creator, the almighty who was in covenant relationship with the Hebrews. Those of us who have been in the church for a while have probably heard this phrase, the fear of the Lord before. In fact, Dr. Arthur sent me a great sermon where he goes into this topic in depth. I'm still continuing to learn that the fear of the Lord is more than just being afraid of being punished. It bears the meaning of awe, reverence, amazement, even gratitude. It's being overwhelmed by the worth, beauty, and glory of the one true God. It is the kind of fear that leads to submission, surrender, and worship. So while we may not know how deep their understanding of God was, we do know that standing at the crossroads between Pharaoh and God, the midwives chose God. Verse 17 marks a crucial turning point in our story because the midwives, Shipra and Pua, chose God's path, not Pharaoh's. Have you ever been in a sticky situation? One where you knew what the right thing to do was, but doing it wouldn't be easy. It would mean a huge sacrifice. There would be a price to pay. Perhaps your boss has asked you to do something that is questionable or clearly wrong. Or maybe a friend is enticing you to do something that goes against your conscience. Fear God or fear humans? What path? will we choose? Shipra and Pua knew that defying Pharaoh could mean losing their livelihoods and perhaps even their lives. If they disobeyed Pharaoh, he would surely find out and we find out later that he does find out. After all, the evidence would be there, living, breathing baby boys. I wonder if they spent days toiling over their decision. Maybe they contemplated whether it could, whether they could do what Pharaoh was asking without the Hebrew mothers realizing. 
Perhaps they were tempted to rationalize their actions, saying that God would understand. We don't know what went through Shipra and Pua's minds while standing at the crossroads, but we do know what path they chose. Fear God or fear Pharaoh? They chose to fear God. Brothers and sisters, what fears surround you today? What is it that scares you? What keeps you up at night? Perhaps it's not pressure from a particular person. Maybe we can't point at a person and say that he or she is pressuring us to do evil. Perhaps instead it's the pressure of our circumstances. We are living in uncertain times. It seems like there's plenty of fear to go around these days. Perhaps we're afraid of what the future holds. What would happen if we get sick from the coronavirus? Maybe we fear losing a loved one or losing a job. Perhaps it's getting a bad grade or not getting into a good college or being unable to pay the bills. Or maybe it's the pressure of insecurities rising up within ourselves. Now, I have a little confession to make. When Dr. Arthurs asked me to speak today, I was terrified. In fact, I emailed him and I told him, this is one of the scariest things I've ever been asked to do. My husband, Alex, encouraged me to say yes, but I was still scared. So what do we do when we're scared? What did I do? I called my mommy. I'm blessed to have a wonderful godly mom and I'm extremely grateful for that because the older I get, the more I realize what a gift it is, something that I should never take for granted. So my mom lives in Malaysia, the Borneo part of Malaysia. Um, she might be watching this, so happy Mother's Day, mommy. So I called her and I told her all about my fears and she listened. And at the end of my ramblings, she asked me, all the fears you listed, are they coming from a fear of humans or the, are they from a fear of God? What do you think God wants you to do? You see, when I'm afraid, it's usually because I'm focused on me. My fears often revolve around three themes. The first, as was in this case of speaking today, has to do with wisdom. What if I'm not smart enough? I'm insecure about my abilities. I don't have the credentials, the training, and my lack of wisdom would be on display for all to see. The second insecurity is about power and strength. What if I'm not strong enough? Sometimes we feel fearful because we feel powerless or victimized. What about physical and mental health? The COVID-19 pandemic has shown us that even the strong get sick and even the resilient can get mentally fatigued. My third fear deals with money and resources. Some of us are fearful that we will not have enough to get by. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have dependents, others relying on our paycheck. What happens when that goes away? You see, my fears have a lot to do with what I place my confidence in. When my confidence is in me, 
I find myself swinging from being afraid of not being smart enough to placing too much confidence in my own wisdom. Same goes for strength. Some days I'm paralyzed by the feeling of helplessness and other days I'm roaring to go. Look at me. I believe in myself. And with regards to riches, again, sometimes I'm afraid of not having enough. And other times I'm congratulating myself for my wise investments and financial prowess. Now there's nothing wrong with being wise or strong or rich, but it's a matter of what we place our confidence in. It's a matter of who we place our confidence in. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 to 24. It says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord human wisdom, human strength, human riches. My wisdom, my strength, my riches. Great as these things are, they are subject to failure. Deep down, we know that this is true. Recently, I saw a poster that said, uncertain times call for certain measures. What is our certain measure? Who do we place our confidence in? Who do we hold in high regard? Who do we revere and worship? Who is God? And what is my perspective on His nature, power and justice? Who am I and what is my human position relative to this almighty God? Will I place myself or someone else in His position? Jeremiah reminds us, boast in this, having the understanding to know the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. By all accounts, Pharaoh was a wise man, a mighty man, and a rich man. The midwives were seemingly backed into a corner, powerless, poor. But Exodus chapter 1 verse 17 reminds us, the midwives, however, feared God. They put their trust in God, their confidence, trust, allegiance, reverence, surrender, worship was to God alone. God knows all about our insecurities and fears. Do we fear the wise, strong and rich? Do we trust in our own wisdom, strength and riches? Or do we turn to God, seek to know Him and give Him our confidence, trust, allegiance, reverence, surrender and worship? Let's continue with our passage. Exodus chapter 1, 18-19 Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. 
So Pharaoh realizes that his plan is not working and summons Shipra and Pua for questioning. And Shipra and Pua basically tell Pharaoh that his secret plan of killing the male babies during the birthing process won't work because the babies are already born when they arrive. Now, again, this is a place where the scholars are split. Are the midwives flat out lying or are they engaging in some defiant sarcasm, throwing in a little insult for good measure? Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. Or are they simply reporting what was actually happening? Perhaps the midwives were deliberately delaying their arrivals. Or perhaps God was miraculously working to help Hebrew mothers deliver quickly before the midwives arrived. We certainly see God's hand working for as we saw last week, the more they were oppressed, the more they increased in number. So again, I don't know the answer, but whether this is about imperfect obedience misunderstood obedience or simply obedience. The common thread is obedience. So this is not a justification for lying, but rather a case for obedience. God calls us to obedience wherever we're at in the midst of our imperfections and inadequacies. Let's think about Pharaoh the wise man for a bit. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, thought he was so smart. Let's act shrewdly, he said. Pharaoh's secret evil plan. But Pharaoh's airtight plan was so easily unraveled. Why? Because Shipra and Pua chose to fear God. It seemed like Shipra and Pua had no choice but to follow Pharaoh's orders. But they did have a choice. And they chose not to be a part of the evil plan. Why? Because they feared God and the wise man's plan amounted to nothing. Shipra and Pua recognized that God's wisdom is greater than man's wisdom and that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And from this fear of God came the courage to stand up to Pharaoh. Sometimes it seems like the only way out of a sticky situation is to comply with human plans. It could be someone else's or our own, but God's wisdom is much greater than human wisdom. When we are tempted to bow down to the wise man, God says, turn to me, worship me, seek to know me. I will give you what you need. I am the great provider, the Lord who delights in and exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. You would think that after defying Pharaoh's orders and speaking up to him in court, Shipra and Pua would be in deep trouble. The mighty Pharaoh certainly had the power to do whatever he wanted. But verse 20 starts with this. So God was kind to the midwives. Nowhere do we find that Pharaoh harmed the midwives. 
Through God's kindness, they were protected from Pharaoh. God's kindness is greater than man's might. Though it seemed as if Shipra and Pua were under the power of Pharaoh, they were actually enveloped in the protection of God. On the surface, Shipra and Pua were no match for the mighty Pharaoh, but God was in control all along. God provided protection. When we feel powerless, or attempted to rely on our own might, who do we turn to? Remember the kindness of our mighty God. Our God is mighty to save. The might of mankind is no match for the might of God. When we are tempted to fear the might of human beings, God says, turn to me and worship me. Seek to know me. I will give you what you need. I am the great provider, the Lord who delights in and exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. Our passage continues. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. We see that God blessed the whole nation of Israel through Shipra and Pua. Because of their faith in God, they were a channel of blessing to the whole community. The people increased and became even more numerous. This statement is more than just information about population growth. It ties back to verse 7 from last week. The Israelites were fruitful and multiplied and is a direct reference to God's command to Adam and Eve in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply. It was the means by which God would bless the nations. And God also provided personally for Shipra and Pua. Oftentimes, midwives were single, widowed, or barren women. And this was a time where people's welfare and basic needs like food, shelter, protection, etc. was taken care of through their families, which is why you often hear in the Bible the command to care for the widow and the orphan. The family was also the place where they passed on their faith from generation to generation. So when the midwives were given families of their own, they were given the joy of having children and the provisions for daily life, and they were grafted into God's family of worshippers, passing their faith down from generation to generation. Pharaoh was most certainly an incredibly rich man. And yet his riches were confined to temporary things, what you eat or drink, wear. But God's riches extend to far greater things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 26 says, this is what Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? When we worry about whether we will have enough, 
God says, turn to me and worship me, seek to know me. I will give you what you need. I am the great provider, the Lord who delights in and exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. The title of our sermon series is He Hears, He Remembers, He Sees, He Knows. He is present in our ordinary everyday lives and He knows our struggles and He provides. Do you remember our responsive reading from our previous sermon series? It started off with this declaration. His divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. But we're not done. During this stay-at-home coronavirus quarantine time, have you been spending more time watching Netflix? Or maybe for you it's K-dramas? Okay, I'll admit, I'll admit it, another confession. I have been binge-watching a little too much Netflix. So you know how you've already watched like maybe three episodes and it's getting late and you tell yourself, after this episode, I'm going to bed. So the episode is coming to close and then right at the very end, something happens. The writers put something suspenseful in at the last minute and right then, you know, there's no going to bed tonight. And you watch that little button at the corner of the screen that says next episode in three seconds two seconds, one second, and you're hooked. So it is with our story today. We've been tracking along and we're close to the end of the story. The midwives were in a terrible situation, but they fear God and choose his path and God is kind and he provides and the nation of Israel grows, yay! And the midwives get families of their own, super yay! And then comes verse 20. I mean, verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Wait, what? How is this a good story? This is not a happy ending. Pharaoh basically goes public and not only makes it okay to kill the Hebrew boys in the open, but makes it an order to do so. Despite all the talk about God's provision, it seems like Pharaoh has won anyway. The Israelites are not only back to where they started, but they are in a worse position. But, dear brothers and sisters, this is not the end. This little pivot in verse 22 gives us a hint of things to come. If you recall from last week, sometimes blessings are much deeper and greater than what we can grasp or see with our natural eyes. Minister Jeff reminded us last week that God is always at work for the better. Pharaoh makes his evil plan public knowledge. We see Pharaoh on the path toward greater and greater evil, 
Already just in the first chapter of Exodus, we see him out of fear moving from slavery to hidden infanticide to open genocide. But what Pharaoh doesn't know is that this sets into motion the circumstances for the birth of Moses and how he ends up in a basket on the Nile River that leads to the rest of the epic story recorded in Exodus. So you have to keep reading to find out and you have to come back next week to learn more. And crucial to the epic story are these two ordinary women. They are so crucial that they are named Shipra and Pua, whereas Pharaoh the king remains unnamed. Shipra and Pua chose God's path, and on God's part, he provided for their immediate needs. But as we shall see, God continued to provide even when they couldn't see it or didn't understand it. And he provided immeasurably more than all they could ask or imagine. They didn't know it, but they were a part of a chain of events in God's plan to save an entire nation. And it doesn't stop there. The story of Exodus points us to something even greater. The stage is now set not just for the saving of an entire nation, but for the saving of all nations through Jesus. The covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people, extends all the way through history to you and me today. So our picture for this week is the two midwives, Shipra and Pua, ordinary women who chose to fear God. Some of you know that our family lived in Texas for many years. And in Texas, many schools do field trips to the Alamo. You probably know that the Alamo is a fort in San Antonio. And you can ask Rachel about her third grade field trip later. Throughout the field trip, you're constantly asked to shout, Remember the Alamo! And it's understood that you're not being, to, uh, not being asked to remember the building that is the Alamo, but rather the bravery of the Texans in the battle at the Alamo. It's not the building, but what the building represents, what it reminds us of. So likewise, through this sermon series, we will be given different pictures to jog our memories. So for this week, we cry, remember the midwives. And while we have an appreciation for the midwives, our focus should be entirely and completely on God. The midwives remind us of God's great provision in the midst of difficult circumstances. They remind us that God's purpose moves forward despite our inadequacies. They remind us that God is present and providing even when we can't see it or don't understand it. And that God's provision is always immeasurably more. It points us to his providence, his promises, his presence. And overarching all the narratives is the story of God redeeming us. He provides us with himself. He gives us himself. Are you standing at the crossroads today? The fear of others 
and trust in self places our confidence in human wisdom, human strength, and human riches. It leaves us cowering, hiding, striving, fighting, fearful. But the fear of God takes us to Him. It brings us to a place of trust, submission, reverence, surrender, and worship. God is calling us to Himself. And like Shipra and Pua, He is calling us by name. Brothers and sisters, what will be our path today? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You are our ever-hearing, ever-remembering, ever-seeing, ever-knowing God. Your divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Now to you who are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.